horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. A little change of venue this week. We are uh, doing the show from the heart of an angel studio in upstate New York. Absolutely gorgeous day uh, in the mid-80s. Uh, blue sky dotted by white puffy clouds. Just, just marvelous. And as most of you know, I'm. this is a uh, kind of grew up in this neck of the woods. And when I say neck of the woods, I mean it every Sunday night, my parents would come out, leave me at the neck of the woods, but somehow I'd find my way home by Tuesday. So, uh, it all worked out, but very familiar with this part of the country. And I want to thank the, uh, the people from heart of an angel studio. How about this New York pizza and wings? We're not too far from Buffalo, but far enough away that uh, we're in a nice spot. Anyhow, uh, on the show with us this evening, uh, uh, speaking of good weather, it's beautiful up in Canada. And we're going to pull down the card uh, from Woodbine. Uh, we've got uh, two uh, grade ones and a grade two, the grade two Canadian, the grade one Canadian International, and the Woodbine Mile. Very interesting cast of characters. We've got several horses that are very legit that are going to be shipping over from Europe to take the race. And uh, we will cover those horses with Admire. The first two fields a little bit on the short side, but man, the Woodbine Mile is locked and loaded with a field of 10. Okay, uh, from Churchill Downs, that's right, Churchill Downs is back and running, Kentucky Downs is over, though we'll go over our results from last week before this segment's over. Um, with uh, the opening of Churchill Downs meet uh, right now, if you're listening live, um, remember there's going to be a lot of evening cards, so check the schedule. Uh, we're going to be bringing in the PR man extraordinaire, Kevin Kirsten's going to join us, and there's a lot happening, particularly... Uh, Earlier today, they had the unveiling of the statue of uh, a good friend of mine, John Asher, who was the voice and face of horse racing and radio broadcasting in Kentucky. Uh, it worked at Churchill Downs since 1997. He was what they call the vice president of racing communications. But believe me, when you wanted an answer to a question, you went to John Asher. And uh, he was just a super, super guy. Loved music uh, towards the later years in his life. And he left us way too soon at 62 uh he started jogging john was kind of a big guy and holy cow he dropped about two jockeys he looked great but uh anyhow so glad that they're having such a tribute that they uh, unveiled a statue to john uh today and also a guy uh that uh, used to be a president of churchill downs back in the day back in 1914 until his passing 1949 and uh uh, that was none other than Colonel Matt Wynn, who actually was a big hero at John Asher's. But So Kevin's going to come on and tell us about the Churchill meet. And then we've got the first Kentucky Derby points race. That's right. The Iroquois, a grade three, carrying a $300,000 purse, brings together a big field of regally bred uh, two-year-olds, almost all of them coming off a winning effort. Good luck in here, but hopefully uh, Kevin will be able to 
give us uh, some inside scoop on the horses that are training there at Churchill. Also, two-year-old fillies be going to the mile of 16th Pocahontas. Now, this race, uh, very important in launching of Kentucky Oaks horses. Uh, three fillies have gone on to win the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, Sweet Alliance back in 1976, Untappable. You'll remember her 2013. And how about Sarah Getty Empress? That was back in 2018. They all proved that they were horses for courses, and they came back after their win in the Pocahontas and uh, showed themselves in the Kentucky Oaks. The other race on the card we're going to cover is the Grade 3 Locust Grove. Uh, put a ring around. She shares the devil. That might be the single. These are pick three races, eight, nine, and 10. So in my opinion, she shares the devil is the, uh, horse you, you want to anchor your pick three with, but I'm telling you what, when you got full fields of two year olds, anything can happen. So, uh, the, uh, Pocahontas and the Iroquois, you might want to spread your bets out, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, that's a look at, uh, who our guests will be in the races we'll be covering. Late breaking news here. It is Thomas Meha. The Monmouth stewards took no mercy on him today. They banned him for 10 years. You heard it right. They banned him 10 years and fined him $5,000 after they concluded that he used a battery or we call it an electronical shocking device, whatever. Um, they're probably high, more high tech in these days on uh, stronger then you know in an allowance race i do believe he was coming back from an injury uh, and uh he uh, they so obviously he was going to get his picture taken a lot and i guess there's some pictures that show him throwing or possessing the object in question that the stewards say that's definitely a buzzer and uh so after the picture service, the stewards ordered the jockey off all of his mounts last Friday, and they had the hearing 10 years. Uh, Mayhab just turned 26 on Thursday. He's a native of Panama, uh, began his career at age 15, and uh, he went to the Lafitte Pinkai Junior Jockey Academy. Uh, he's in 11th place at Mammoth right now, but uh, looks like it's going to be a long time before he's back in the saddle again. All right. Well, I don't know if you've been watching the Keeneland sales. As you know, they're all very exciting. The September sale. Well, the sales topper normally comes out of what they call book one, and that is the boutique uh, book uh, with uh, the first horses through the ring. But now it's a little bit later in the sale. Hip number 612, a colt from the first uh, crop of City of Light, a multiple grade one winner who went for $1.7 million. Now, the purchasers of this horse, Tala Racing, Woodford Racing, and West Point Thoroughbreds, you would have thought that their wallet was empty because previous to that, uh, they bought a $1.5 million Justify Colt. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see uh, uh, how this partnership uh, works out. But uh, nonetheless, it was only a matter of uh, when they'd go through the ring. You knew Justified hit a home run. And uh, we'll find out. This horse obviously steeped in pedigree. All right. Uh, how about Joel Rosario? If you were uh, betting Kentucky Downs, uh, he was your go-to guys. Uh, he had back-to-back five win days and then closes out his rides there with four more weeks, just obliterating the old Kentucky Downs record uh, and uh, 17 wins. 
And his last one was his victory on Toby's heart in the Music City Stakes, half a million dollars for three-year-old Phillies. Rosario, wow, what a meet. And the other closing day stakes, he uh, took a five-to-one shot Koala Princess from eighth to first in a half-million-dollar Ainsworth Stakes for two-year-old Phillies. And then Family Way uh, came on in the ladies' marathon. So uh, blessed with great weather for five of the six days. The Kentucky Downs meet attracted a record all sources handle of over $74 million, up 23.8% from last year's $59 million. <laughs> Whew. I'm telling you, it's a great meet. You got to get there. All right. Here's a gentleman you've heard on these airwaves several times uh, to Sean Parker. John, you're not repeating the same story again. Nope. He's getting a new award. The Mike Venezia Memorial Award goes to Deshaun Parker. What a year he's had. You know, the Mike Venezia is, a, is awarded to a jockey who displays extraordinary sportsmanship, citizenship, uh, very much uh, the things that personified Mike Venezia. And uh, it, it's quite an honor. And of course, Deshaun uh, took it in his, uh, his classy way. He's been riding now for more than 30 years. I know I've told you this, but you got to see him in person. He's now 50. I knew him when he was a kid. I was friends with his father. And uh, he's five foot 10. Yep, five foot 10. And one of the winningest riders in the history of thoroughbred racing. Uh, he's ridden the top number of winners on three different occasions in North America. Uh, so uh, congratulations to Deshaun Parker and Zulu Alpha. I almost bet him on uh, on the weekend at Kentucky Downs, but <clears throat> just prior to the race, uh, they decided to scratch him and retire him. If you'd like to see this grade one winner, you can Take a ride down to Georgetown, Kentucky, because he's being retired to two old friends. And, of course, he'll have a great home there. Michael Blowen, who runs Old Friends, the uh, very uh, recent uh, guest here on the show, and a great place to go if you are visiting Central Kentucky. All right, speaking of Kentucky Downs, let's get to some of the big races that we looked at last week with Joe Christopher. Uh The one-and-a-half-mile Calumet Turf Cup, it went to Imperador. Joe Talamo was in the saddle. This was upset time. Eight to one. Rated in about seventh or eighth. The one thing was Talamo saved ground until the turn and then boom. Uh, took the lead. Got challenged by Arklow who was the two to one favorite. But Char after Arklow got the race from hell. I know, I bet him, came up on a wall of horses. Uh, Florent Giroux kept thinking a hole was going to open, a hole was going to open. It didn't. He had to yank him to the outside. Hey, don't forget, folks, everything I just described is happening while you're going uphill. Very hard to stop and start again uh, for any kind of horse, even one with the talent of Arklo, uh, who's won close to $3 million now. But nonetheless, congratulations to Joe Talamo aboard Imperador in the million-dollar Calumet Turf Cup. But uh, hold your horses there, Johnny. Uh, that was not the only million-dollar race of the day. We had a bunch of 600,000s, but also the FanDuel Turf Sprint Set a course record in here. Who was it? Gear jockey under Jose Lescano. Rusty Arnold trainee gets it done. Had never run a Kentucky Downs before. 
And Gear Jockey sets a new track record, 107.9 at Kentucky Downs and getting the job done, a son of twirling candy. There's the $2 million races. Now let's go to the paltry $750,000 ladies turf. And the winner in here, no surprise, we didn't handicap this race last week because I kind of thought it was a bit of a gimme. And uh, that was Princess Grace, who is now six victories from seven lifetime starts. Trained by Michael Stidham, Florent Giroux was the uh, winning rider. So uh, Princess Grace got the job done over Dalika. That was the cold uh, uh, exacta, uh, pretty much easy on paper, and it was easy at the track, and the third spot was abscond. Now to the $600,000 races. The Mint Ladies Sprint had to go to an also-eligible, how about this, in good spirits for trainer Al Stahl draws into the race, ridden by Johnny V, put in a late rush on the rail, and got the job done. <laughs> not bad for not knowing if you're getting in the race or not. In the uh, second spot in here, it was a catch a bid. Luis Sayez riding down there for the first time, and Jeannie uh, B., uh, who was the pace factor under no longer Jersey Joe, but anywhere I go, Joe Bravo. Also, the $600,000 Franklin Simpson, it was a grade two going six and a half where you start running into the turn. And it was the Lear Jet at eight to one, paying 1960. Tyler Gaffleone gets the job done aboard the Brendan Walsh trainee making its North American debut. I should say that uh, it did run here last year, one time in the Breeders' Cup turf, where it finished seventh to fire at will. Uh, back in the States right now, we'll see if it sticks around for the Breeders' Cup. And in a photo, it was easy time by a nose at 33 to 1 over, <laughs> I guess some of you germaphobes might have bet this horse, Fauci ran third in this $600,000 race. And I'm not going to change my story. I told you he won. I'm not taking my mask off to tell you again. All right. That was a look at the action from uh, K Kentucky Downs. Again, my main man, Ed Meyer, is going to come in here and help us in just a little bit uh, to look at the uh, – to look, look at the uh, races from uh, Woodbine. I called Ed uh, late, and uh, he was kind enough to, to come in and help me out, handicap these races. So we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to be handicapping the races north of the border with Ed Meyer. You're listening to Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. And with me now, ladies and gentlemen, the former host of this show, You've heard him many times on these airwaves. He's a man loved by millions, and that's just the women that listen to the show. Horse players meet him at his car in the morning so he can impart his wisdom, and he meets them after the races to collect his 10%. Hey, he's kind to young children and animals. He's the toast of the town in northern Kentucky and southern Ohio. He's an odds maker and a risk taker. Ladies and gents, none other than the man I admire, Admire. I'll tell you what, that was the greatest intro I've ever had in my life. Thank you, John. The check's in the mail. Uh, right off the top of my head, Ed, what can I say? You know, from the heart, from the heart, you know. I feel it from here. I do feel it from here, yes. That's good. That's good. So how you been? I'm doing real well. We had we had a, a real nice day at the track today at Belterra. And, uh, you know, for a lot of your listeners out there, that Winning Ponies does have the easy win forms for Belterra as well, so they can dial them up if they want to follow and uh, watch them wager on the action. But, John, something special. A very good friend of yours today, 67 years young, rode four winners from eight races today, the one, the only, Scootin' Boot Perry Utes, your good friend. Uh-huh. He, he is unbelievable. And I know he doesn't like people harping on the fact that he's 67 years old. But my God, you know, he's, you know, you think of the thousands and thousands of mounts. I know it's over 32,000. And uh, as you know, I always say, what have you done 32,000 times in your life, you know, besides uh, blink and breathe? Uh, the guy is just phenomenal. He's had at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, two occasions in his career where doctors said, Hey, you made it through this spill, but you'll never ride again. And yet he comes back and defies them. And he doesn't, uh, as far as, in, you know, maybe you've heard something, I'll bet you haven't. He doesn't have any plans for retirement, Ed, does he? 
No, not at all, John. He's as, as he said in the Hennigan Brothers' uh, wonderful, wonderful interview and their piece, uh, which you can catch on YouTube, which was fabulous. He's going to ride this train till he throws him off. John, I, I spoke to him just the other day. I said, uh, you better ready to trade, trade it in for a fishing pole and get on your motorcycle? I said, no, not just yet. And trust me, that was a really lot of words that came out of one man's mouth. Not just yet. And uh, so I knew that was about the end of our conversation. I shook his hand and onward he went. And uh, 67 years young, four winners today. It's been, it's been a fun week. Uh, David Flores has been picking up mounts for Wesley Ward. Yeah. You know, it, it's like it's like having Keeneland. We've had Tom Amos, Michael McCarthy, the trainer of the uh, Preakness winner this year. We've right. had uh, Wesley Ward on a regular basis. It feels like it's Keeneland at Belmont or uh, Belterra. I know, Ed. I, I look at those, uh, particularly the maiden races. I mean, guys that come up from those training centers in Lexington, and they are firing. But I witnessed a race by David Flores the other day that if, if you show it to me again, I'll bet up against him. There is no way he can win this race from halfway through the turn to home. And somehow, in the final 16th, this horse skedaddled like his butt was on fire. I... I couldn't say it better myself. I, I watched it over and over again. It, it's tremendous watching all the riders ply their trade. But when you have a special rider like David Flores, who who can really teach and impart a lot of wisdom in the jocks room to others or anybody that's willing to listen, riding for Wesley Ward, I mean, it's it's a, a really special thing at a small track like Belterre Park, John, and to have a... a, a Big time, a big circuit rider come in, and when he, you know, really just circled the field, and it was truly amazing. Go back on YouTube and catch it. You can catch catch all the Belterra Park race replays. It was really, really cool. And but John, overall, we got a great little riding colony. We finish up October eighth. Hey, things couldn't be better. Well, that's great. Yeah, I wanted to check because I know that. Uh... Uh, the tracks moved dates around uh, over the years many times. The traditional closing day was uh, Labor Day with the uh, Miller Genuine Draft uh, cradle stakes that uh, two-year-olds on the grass for the last uh, years. And uh, it was just gaining momentum when they sold the track. So it would be nice if they brought something like that back. You never know. Hopefully down the road they, they will. It's a, it's a beautiful setting. Uh, and uh, they got the right man as the voice, the odds maker, uh, the, 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 the Twitter feeder, the handicap contest putter together, the, I don't know, what else, you wash cars on the way out? I forget what else you do there. Well, I tried to put my keys in someone else's car. Does that count? I, <laughs> I guess I was trying to upgrade on the way out the door, but you know, those are very kind words, John. I'll tell you what, there's never a day when my car pulls into the lot that I regret a moment, and I really, really, really miss working with you. Those were some of the best years of my working life and my personal life. Well, you're warming the cockles of my heart. But uh, right now, we need to take a look. A really good races up at up at Woodbine, uh, grade two and two grade ones. But I'm a little disappointed. But you see it every day. Doesn't matter how much money you put up. It's a really hard getting big fields for these races. And we start out with the the Canadian Stakes, a uh, quarter million dollars on the line, and uh, we come up with a five horse field. Kind of looking like uh, the outside horse, Mervalu, might have a little bit of jump on the talent in here. 
I did look at it, and actually, I did some writing this morning, and uh, these races are the ones I really focused on this weekend, and I kept coming up with the same thing over and over, and that was the two, our secret agent, 9-2, to two, Mark Cassie and Antonio Gallardo, they're hooking up together, and they're going from a sprint to a route. Cassie, he wins, Mark Cassie wins 16% going to sprint to a route, fourth off the layoff. I'm, I'm giving it a shot here. We're going to go from synthetic back to the turf, and Mark Cassie is a master at spotting his horses in the right place. This is her second time on the Greensward. She's got solid breeding on the dam side, John, and I, and I know how well Cassie spots his runners well. He would not have our secret agent in here if not ready. Yeah, and you know he absolutely loves it north of the border. Uh, I think he's twenty-two percent. It's like he's created a cottage industry running horses uh, up up at Woodbine over the years. I think he's pretty sure he's in their Hall of Fame. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean I, I can't disagree with you. Uh, looks like we're going to have a little bit of a jockey uh, change here. So we see if Gallardo can't make the difference because when these two guys get together, they win twenty-four percent of the time. Those are pretty. Those are really big numbers. I mean, they're not pretty big. Those are staggering numbers. You do anything, twenty-four percent. You you really deserve a raise here. The dam has eight starts with eight winners, John. So, uh, Avalos is really, really by Holy Bull is really strong. Eight starts, eight winners, two of which on the turf here. I'm going to go with nine to two. I can only hope that I get near that price. I'm a big fan of Antonio Gallardo. I, I was watching this guy at Tampa Bay for a long time, and he's quite a rangeman, and he's, he's just an artist in the saddle, makes very few mistakes, and Mark Cassie would not enlist his services if he didn't have 100% confidence. I love the angle here. I just hope I get better than nine to two. Well, the three La Dragonetta uh, might help your uh, cause in getting better odds because I think that uh, she'll get backing. Uh, Christophe Clement ships in from Saratoga. Now, he's only started two horses at the meet, and he's got a win in the second. So uh, he pretty much picks his spots before he uh, goes up to Woodbine. And Joel Rosario, by the way, will be in the saddle. You know, the only thing that really worries me about Rosario is he had, I believe, 17 wins at Kentucky Downs. Yeah. And his wallet's going to be too daggone heavy <laughs> to really pack him around the track. He had five winners one day, five the very next. I was like, holy jeezel. I mean, can you believe this guy? He's on fire. You're dead right about Christophe Clement. Uh, John, I think that's a great prep there at Saratoga. That's actually going to be the bottom part of my exacta. It is a little chalky. I was trying to find value where I could have it, but lot Dragon T really looks good to me, and you're getting nine to five. But with Joel Rosario, right about now, you should be getting it about even money. All right. Well, let's move on now uh, to the uh, race number nine. Uh, we're going a mile and a half on the turf. Not easy to do, but we've got horses in here that have done it before. Breaking from the inside, uh, Corelli, uh, one for one at Woodbines. Try the distance five times and has hit the board four. Uh, he's considered, but I, I think, how about this? All of a sudden, I'm scrolling down my racing format, and I see Frankie DeTore is in to ride one horse. I know he's riding two, Ed, but this is the horse he came to ride, and that's Walton Street for Charles Appleby, who's had a sensational year both in Europe and the United States. Uh, Charlie Appleby's had a sensational career, John, and teaming up with Frankie DeTore. This is like... Uh, uh 
Babe Ruth uh, times two in in the on the same team in the but right in the batting order here. I love Desert Encounter. You're getting eight to five Frankie Detoria board for the uh, or excuse me Frankie Detoria board for Charlie Appleby. Almost said David Simcock, who's right below, who's also has. I think the Euros are actually going to make a big splash in this race here. Yeah. I kind of tipped my hand to my exacta, but I really am. I'm I'm really big on the the Appleby yard and Frankie Detoria the saddle and he ships in off a solid effort in a great group one effort in germany and should stalk right off the leaders i had an ability to go back and take a peek at that and i was really excited about it and the damn brahm felinity has two starters two winners and both of which are on the turf so sign me up for walton street i i, I cannot wait to see frankie dettori do the flying dismount can you Wow, Ed Meyer does do his homework when he knows he's going to be on the show. Now, the, I think the most interesting horse in the race is Desert Encounter, the horse you alluded to that's trained by uh, David Simcock. How about this horse, Ed? A nine-year-old gelding. It doesn't even show on the past performances, but it's raced at Woodbine only twice, won both of those races for 732000 in purses. The horse is nine, Ed. 45 lifetime starts, 12 wins, 10 seconds, 9 thirds, and over $1.4 And as you know, when you're racing primarily at the European tracks, it's hard to amass that kind of money. But a nine-year-old who hasn't been to Canada for years is coming back and bringing in D.A. Tud Hope, who's not a regular rider, but well-respected uh, in England and Ireland, to ride for him. Daniel Tud Hope is a, is a very fine rider, John. I get up early in the morning. Uh, sometimes when I can't sleep, I can't wait to make it. To, and I zero right in on the Euros, especially at certain festivals and certain big races. I really want to be uh, kind of still looking down the road towards the Breeders' Cup. Daniel Tud Hope, a fine rider there. The barn is winning 67% of the time with graded stakes off of a small sampling. But the best part is two for two at Woodbine. Two starts, two wins. you got to love every bit of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it makes for an interesting race. we got another one with the uh, <coughs> different connections in the Argentinian bred, Fantasioso, uh, who hasn't raced uh, since last year in Argentina, but since then has been knocking on the door against some big company, but doesn't seem to be able to come in. Could still be a part of it here, but uh, he'll be closing late. I think we've already talked about the top two that you got to knock the head off of. Of course, we know all the people from New England will be betting the seven-horse Belichick, uh, who's going off at 6-1 <laughs> to one for trainer Josie Carroll. Well, how about the Woodbine Mile? We're talking a million-dollar race, grade one. And uh, this one's got a little more meat to it, uh, Ed, is uh, we got a field of 10 going to post. Like I said, Frankie DeTore's in town, and Chad Brown said, why not give him a leg up on Raging Bull? Wow, you, you talk about you talk about uh, two uh, two grade one fellows right there coming together. But I'll tell you what, that's going to be the second part of my exacta. For me, I'm all about the red hot Brad Cox barn and teaming up with Joel Rosario, John, for me with this deep closer by Dan Silly. The dam has eight starts, seven winners, six of which have been on the turf here. I went back and watched the four-star Dave again this morning, and that looks to be the perfect 
prep setup here for the wood by mile, that lush greensward. Oh, my gosh. I just wish every turf course looked as, uh, as perfect as Woodbine does. But I love set piece for the Brad Cox barn. Joel Rosario, I don't think he could be any hotter than he has in the last 15 years of his career. Second off the layoff, Brad Cox wins 25% with graded stakes, shipping in from the spa. And you know, a little bit of fresh scenery can do the soul good here. But for me, set piece is my top part of my exacta. Yeah, and the horses come into this race off three 100 or 101 uh, buyer speed figures. Uh, uh, Florent Giroux has become his regular rider over the past uh, six races. Uh, Joel Rosario, as you said, will pick up the mount because Florent can't be everywhere at once. But uh, certainly as hot as Rosario is, uh, having him in the saddle won't hurt at all. And as hot as Brad Cox is, it'll be interesting to see. This is his first start of the year at Woodbine. I don't know about his past history up there. But, yeah, set piece without a doubt a, uh, a gelding you do not want to throw out of this million-dollar race. Well, Ed, uh, I... I'll give you the parting words here before we get on to our connections at Churchill Downs. John, it's always a pleasure to talk horses with you and your listeners. Please check in with Winning Ponies and Easy Win Forms because there's nothing better. On the big days, the average days, these guys bring their A-plus game each and every day. The Easy Win Forms are on fire. Just check them out. Prove me wrong. I double-dog dare you. All right. Ed, thanks a lot. I'm sure our paths will be crossing shortly down the road. Sooner rather than later, my friend. Take care, John. All right. That was Ed Meyer covering the races up at Woodbine. Fine. But the, we're going to now shift gears to Kevin Kirstein at uh, Churchill Downs. He's had a busy, busy day. I can't believe he could fit us in. So I'm going to stop yakking. We're going to go to commercial break and be right back on Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com. Backslash ponies. Bet with confidence. Bet with BUSR. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. Well, in life as in racing, sometimes you just got to be lucky. It was about a week or so ago, I, I reached out to PR man extraordinaire, Kevin Kirstein at uh, Churchill Downs and asked him if he'd be on. I saw that the first Derby points race was coming up uh, on Saturday, and then he said he'd do it. And all of a sudden, I look and I go, oh, my God. This is opening night. There's no way he's going to be available. I'm going to get spun. So I've been sitting here with my heart beating uh, until uh, our producer, Josh, put up and go, got Kevin on standby. Made my day. Kevin, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Only 232 days until that Kentucky Derby that you just mentioned. So uh, (laughs) it's great to be here with you. And, yeah, opening night was great tonight. Do you do you have a digital watch that doesn't tell time? It just gives the countdown to the Kentucky Derby. It it's funny when actually when you walk into the main offices at Churchill Downs, there is a countdown clock, and it turns over the day after Derby. So we we see it every single morning when we come into the office. Oh, it reminds me of a pub I used to go to. Uh, they had the countdown to St. Patrick's Day on the same type of clock. But either way, both of them very very important events. But so is opening night. And before we actually get to opening night, you had other events at the track today with the unveiling of the statue uh, dedicated to Colonel Matt Wynn, but close to my heart, the unveiling of perhaps uh, one of the greatest communicators in in racing and broadcasting uh, we've ever known, none other than John Asher. Yeah, it was a very special morning at Churchill Downs, and uh, you know the statues of Colonel Matt Wynn and John Asher's two of the biggest pioneers and the best promoters that we'll I think ever have at Churchill Downs. And you know Colonel Matt Wynn really brought the Derby to what it is today. It really was struggling back when he took the reins of Churchill Downs and uh, really revitalized and revamped the cut to the Kentucky Derby of what it is today. And you know obviously we both know John Asher. I've had the pleasure. I worked with him for six years, and uh, it was the best you know, six years of my working career, just getting all of the knowledge that John had about our industry and uh, being a a PR specialist that that he was, and he was a great communicator. And so this statue that was unveiled this morning was very special. We had descendants of the Wynn family that was here. All of John Asher's family uh, was here. They came in from everywhere. They were from Cincinnati. There were some in Texas. There were some in Western Kentucky where John grew up. So it was very special to see everyone come together this morning. There were about, I'd say probably three to 400 members of the community that showed up as well. And the thing that really struck me about this, John, is the way that John Asher, uh, came across to so many different people with so many different backgrounds. There were jockeys, there were trainers, there were racetrack executives, there were community leaders, there were our neighbors from just across the street at Churchill Downs. 
there were so many different people from so many walks of life that showed up, and that's what was so special, and that's what showed how much John Asher meant to these people. And so it was a great event this morning, and uh, the statues are located next to the paddock area with the twin spires in the background, so it's a perfect setup for guests to go take a picture with. Wow. And let me tell you, folks, uh, Kevin is not reading that off a script. Uh, That comes from his heart. And if if you were blessed to get to know John, even in the slightest way, you didn't have to be best friends, but he treated you like the most special person in the room every time he walked in. Just a marvelous individual. Well, speaking of marvelous, uh, anything, give me your schedule. I know that there's evening racing and there's day racing and, you know, I'm easily confused. (laughs) Well, you know what? Sometimes horse racing can be a little bit confusing, but it's uh, we kicked off our, our September meet tonight with Twilight Thursday is officially dubbed as. It's eight races for the next two Thursdays of the September meet now, and starts at 5 o'clock Eastern, first post. Last post is just around 8.30, and then we'll have day racing on the next three Fridays, short 12-day meet here in September, and then Saturday night is our lone night racing of the the meet with Downs After Dark presented by Budweiser. That goes at 6 o'clock Eastern on Saturday night. Five stakes races, including two Breeders' Cup winning your ends, the Iroquois and the Pocahontas that kicks off the road to the Kentucky Derby and road to the Kentucky Oaks, respectively. And then day racing on Sundays at 1245. And so a quick 12 days in the meet. We got day one underway tonight. It was a, a fun night of racing with some uh, pretty gutsy performances and we were off this summer from training at church downs because of our new 10 million dollar turf renovation that's going on and so we don't have any turf racing for the remainder of the year and so really just seeing as a horse player how the the dirt track would would do and any sort of biases and it played very fair tonight and so it's very exciting to see racing back beneath the twin spires but no turf racing until uh, derby week of next year until that 10 million dollar project is complete uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're listening to a John Asher in training right there. Great delivery, Kevin. You sounded great, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to have to get my calendar out and mark all these days, nights, twilights, real, but, it, but the, the Saturday card, when you're having the night racing is going to be through the roof. Well, before I get run out of time or anything, um, all right, let's, let, we, we've got, we're going to look at three races, okay? We're going to start with uh, the Pocahontas, uh, following the the middle race, the Iroquois, uh, the first Kentucky Derby points race of the year. Uh, but I got a feeling in the tenth race, the Locust Grove. Uh, I, I'd be willing to book your bet if you're betting against She Shares the Devil. Yeah, you know what? That's it, it's almost a free square in that sequence, as you would think. You know, She Dares the Devil is just so talented and, and it's amazing that she's arguably the second most accomplished filly in trainer Brad Cox's barn because of Monomoy Girl. And so she almost gets forgotten about a little bit, but she's, you know, a multiple grade one winner. She won the Kentucky Oaks last year. She's a perfect four for four at Churchill Downs and she's four to five on the morning line. Probably will get bet down more than that. Probably would see one or two to five on her come post time in that race. And you know, Brad Cox and I were talking about just sort of his different prospects in his barn and how he gets them, them to the Breeders' Cup. And he doesn't want to, you know, go through the roof with some of these horses and make them peak in a, a difficult grade one or grade two in September or early October before the Breeders' Cup. He wants them to peak for their correct effort in the Breeders' Cup. And so that's why he pointed She Dares the Devil to, to this spot. I saw her for the first time in the last two months yesterday when she came off the ban, ban at Brad Cox's barn 
and she looks unbelievable, John. She looks bigger and stronger than I've ever seen, and so I think she's a real filly to uh, maybe give Latruska a run for her money come the Breeders' Cup filly, uh, Breeders' Cup distaff come November at Del Mar. Yeah, I mean, she really is something special. And uh, as they say, she checks off all the boxes, you know, uh, pedigree, connections uh, from, from trainer to jack. And now we know why Florian Giroux is not up at Woodbine because, you know, he'd probably walk over uh, sharded glass to get the mount on She Shares the Devil. So, as he said, I love this the, the statement, free square. Let's go to the other pieces of the puzzle because that's pretty much what they are uh, We'll start with the Pocahontas. Now, um, this is a race that has launched uh, several Kentucky Oaks winners uh, back in my day, Sweet Allowance in seven, Alliance in 76, and then most people remember Untappable in 2013, and Saragani Empress in 2018 were able to record scores in both the Pocahontas and the Kentucky Oaks. It'll be interesting to see who comes out with a chance for those credentials this year. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting for a lot of Phillies in this race because they're trying two turns for the first time. The mile and a 16th distance, you haven't seen that a lot. And I think at this stage of the game where we're, you know, just very early into these horses' career, I think we've seen better two-year-old Phillies so far this year than we have the two-year-old Colts. And I I just think they're a little bit more accomplished and more forward than the, the Colts are at this stage. And so this race is interesting because... The uh, number four on the ones and twos for Norm Cassie. This horse is definitely going to the lead with Ricardo Santana Jr., and that's what Norm has talked about. The race at the Adirondack last time out at Saratoga, so she has the experience under her belt in stakes company. He said it was pretty speed favoring that day. She made her run, but he wants a more aggressive ride, and I think he'll get that with Ricardo Santana Jr. So that's going to be interesting riding tactics there with this filly who came off of it in the last couple of races. But the horse that I'm interested in is stretching out in distance for the first time, making her second career uh, start is Hitting Connection, the nine horse for Brett Calhoun in the Hiddenbrook Farms and Black-type yeah. thoroughbreds. Ray Lou Gutierrez making uh, his first time uh, at Churchill Downs this year for a full time. And this horse ran a huge figure on paper, no matter what figures you look at, buyers, brisnets, rags, you name it, ran a huge figure. But can she get that two-turn distance will be the big question. I think she'll be the value over the, on the ones and twos. You know, I don't think it's been the major factor that a lot of us thought it was going to be. And what I'm talking about now is the Lasix issue. Now, she did win her only career start at Colonial uh, well in hand, um, but raced on Lasix that day. And, but there will be obviously no Lasix in any race that could have an impact uh, stakes-wise on the Derby of the Oaks. Yeah, that's correct. No Lasix again this year. We started, we implemented that last year, and uh, no horse actually can earn points for the road to the Kentucky Oaks in this instance and the road to the Kentucky Derby uh, running on Lasix. And so you'll see in a, a couple of states and jurisdictions that that's still allowed. Uh, in Oklahoma for Remington, the Springboard Mile comes to mind as one of them. But uh, so no Lasix. And, you know, it's almost one of those where you see a lot of uh, trainers that when they're running in jurisdictions where they allow Lasix, they're all going to do it just to maybe equal the playing field. But a lot of the trainers that I've talked to, it's, it's been a very positive uh, outcome of no Lasix. They've all sort of been on an equal playing field without it. And yeah, it is a, it's a, it's a handicapping factor for me because I always, you know, take a second guess when horses are coming off Lasix or going on Lasix, of course. And so, uh, you know, so far, 
so good. So knock on wood and hopefully uh, everything will go well. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see her going two turns for the first time after that five-and-a-half furlong dirt. Seven and, I think, a half-length victory. So she was uh, very impressive that day, John. And she is hidden connection. And by far, uh, if you are a numbers guy, uh, is the fastest horse in the field. But it's a deep field, folks. And we're working on a pick three. So got a hunch, bet a bunch. Let's go to the ninth. This is the first Kentucky Derby points race. It's interesting, though, Kevin, that this race is yet to produce a winner of the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, especially when it's the, you know, the 40th running. So it's uh, it's been run for a few years, and the Iroquois was usually run uh, back in November, and now we started the September meet, and so it's really a good spot for horses. Again, foundation-building races on this 21-race prep series on the road to the Kentucky Derby just to get, you know, the horses going two turns for the first time, which many of them are in this field, and, uh, you know, just getting started in their training. So, you know, not really you know, peaking necessarily in their two-year-old year, want to have those horses in the, the top form for the first Saturday in May. And so that is very surprising. No horses have uh, won the Kentucky Derby out of this race yet. I don't know if we have a Derby winner in this race, but I do think we have some pretty accomplished uh, Colts and Geldings that will be in uh, this running. Absolutely. And you've got one uh, who is a headline grabber, uh, not only for, uh, his performance on the track, but, uh, he'll go down in history as being the horse that put Steve Asmussen over the top as the leading trainer in North America. And that's stellar tap of grace on a tap. But we, we haven't seen any talented horses fit that pedigree. Have we, um, a, a very impressive, uh, uh, five-and-a-half-length winner at Saratoga going seven. Again, it will be going around two turns at a mile and a sixteenth. But uh, there's several horses in here that won in hand late, and it'll be interesting to see uh, who gets the job done because I do see this one open. And uh, speaking of uh, Asmussen, uh, certainly can't uh, overlook uh, uh, Guntown, a son of Gunrunner, who's absolutely been setting the two-year-old scene on fire. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Steve, I talked to him tonight and he was here in the morning, went to the Keeneland September yearling sale back here for racing again tonight. So the trainers are getting in the miles as well this, uh, this week with the sales going on (laughs) down in Lexington. And, uh, you know, we talked about stellar tap and, you know, Steve, it's, it's hard to wipe the smile off of Steve's face right now, just because of the five grade one wins that he had at Saratoga this summer and this horse breaking the all time win record for North America. And then couple that with the fact of how, how well gun runners are doing. He said everywhere, you know, the gun runners seem precocious as two year olds. We know how talented gun runner was in, in the older age and the uh, further distances they go. So I'm personally interested to see the Gunrunner offspring of when they turn three and when they're really going those route distances. And Guntown, who you mentioned, went sort of a a one-and-a-half-turn mile last time out at Ellis Park. It's a weird configuration down there in Henderson and was very impressive that day. Tyler Gaffleone, our leading rider, will be aboard on Guntown. But I think the longer distances that we'll see, the better the Gunrunners will end up being. So all the ones that are pretty precocious right now I think can end up being even better when they turn three. You know, I, I, I totally agree with you just in the way that they've finished up in their few races as two-year-olds and uh, many of them, of course, against uh, graded stakes company. Uh, it, you got to think that, uh, you know, third start, uh, it could be uh, 
sitting on something. Like you said, it's a strange configuration at Ellis Park, but nonetheless, they've brought together a lot of good horsemen and horses down there, and uh, th- this horse just uh, drew off, as it says, in the past performances. And, uh, you know, once you got Gunrunner on top, you got to figure it's a heck of a family. But uh, the dam's a full sister to Alabama Stakes uh, winner, Lady Joanne. So uh, here's a horse that uh, certainly ought to be able to run all day long. Well, uh, some of the other horses in here that uh, are certainly worth uh, a a look at are uh, Lucky Boss and Major General. You have any feeling about either of those two-year-olds? I'm pretty excited to see Major General in person for Todd Pletcher. Obviously, whenever you have a Todd Pletcher runner, it's always, you know, one to keep an eye on. And he was actually, you know, Todd, speaking of when he ships his horses into Churchill Downs, I think he'll have a barn here next year. But for right now, he's just been shipping some horses into run. And he ran one in the spring that actually ended up going and winning the Bashford Manor and went totally uh unrecognized at the windows and people sort of forgot about them and major general kind of has that feel a little bit because i think stellar tap will take the majority of the attention major general was pretty impressive and gutsy winning that day on the lead up at saratoga uh bourbon heist who's also in here ran second you know i i do think that you know the constitutions will like to stretch out in distance obviously going the mile in a 16th and so i think we'll like the the distance i think thought the track was a little speedy that day when he won at Saratoga, and so we'll have to end up seeing how the source these shows any versatility. And then you mentioned Lucky Boss for Kenny McPeak, who ran second to uh, in the Ellis Park Juvenile with the uh, going seven eighths that day to the, to the speedy Roger McQueen, just drawn to that horse's outside. These are another two that I think will get a little bit forgotten about in the wagering. You know, they're the most experienced duo in this race coming out of both stakes race, out of that stakes race at the Ellis Park Juvenile. And I think Roger McQueen is 10 to 1 or so on the morning line, and Lucky Boss is just a little bit north of that. And I think they're going to end up being that way, and they've come out of a stakes company, and none of the other horses in this race are doing so. And granted, that race is going 7 eighths, and it's a whole different ball game going a mile and a 16th. But Lucky Boss, by street boss uh, for Kenny McPeak, and Kenny does extremely well with his two-year-olds and knows how to... Uh, get them right for the September and then pointing towards that Breeders' Cup Juvenile in November. And so I think Lucky Boss is definitely a live long shot to use underneath. Uh, Kevin Kirstein, I want to thank you so much with gracing us with your presence here on opening night at Churchill Downs. Uh, it, it, we, we laid the schedule out for you, but just go to their website if you want to know when you can go see them in person, hopefully, or uh, catch them on a uh, television near you. Kevin, you, you walk in the shoes of the fisherman, and uh, he, he will stand forever in the paddock at Churchill Downs, none other than the great John Asher. Thank you so much for joining us, and keep doing what you're doing because uh, you're, you're, you're pretty impressive uh, with, with your insight and your delivery uh, on the horses and all that Churchill gives us. Well, I really appreciate that, and uh, we certainly appreciate the support of Churchill Downs. And, you know, best of luck on your wagering this weekend and the rest of the September meet. Saturday is a heck of a card, and hopefully you all can dive into that. It'll be a, a fun night of racing. All right. Thanks a million. Kevin Gerstein from Churchill Downs. I remind everybody, big week of racing. That means pull down the easy win forms from winning ponies. We've been killing them from coast to coast. Don't believe me? Go to the website and find out, winningponies.com. For Ed and Kevin, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies. And when you go to the races, remember, bet with your head, not over it. 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.